I'm Isata and I ask a lot of questions. So in this podcast series, I post the question, where are you really from? This was originally a research question for a seminar I had in uni, but it didn't leave my head. So here I am half a year later making a podcast out of it. For many people, and I count myself as one of them, this is a very loaded question and one that is asked too often. I usually get annoyed by people asking me where I'm really from, especially with that really. But being annoyed is a waste of time. That's what I think. And so I look deeper into that emotion by reflecting on it with others. So have fun listening to their answers. Is it a... Uh, oh, are you rolling audio? Yeah. Is the audio rolling? Yeah. Already? Already. Okay. <laughs> you nervous? No, I'm like, where the hell is the audio coming from? This is the audio. Oh, shit. All right. So... I'm gonna ask you some questions. Alright. You're just gonna answer. Okay. And if you, because I, like, I know you're a person who can talk for hours. Okay. So I'm just gonna cut you off, you know? Alright, like Kanye West did. I'm gonna Taylor do Swift. some signs so that I don't have to cut too much. I'm gonna be like, zip, and then you can find your point. I'll keep it brief. <clears throat> I'll keep it brief. Can I curse? Yeah, you're right, allowed to cool. speak however your mind is doing it. Alright, bet. Where are you really from? It's a tough question, always. Born in Harlem, raised in the South Bronx, uh -huh. New York City. Dirtiest but greatest city alive, so that's <laughs> where I'm from. So. New York, basically? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the north side of the city. It's nice. like super ethnic and different than honestly any place in America. So. Good. And how does this question make you feel? You know, the, so when Europeans ask me, specifically like black folks who are Europeans or in Europe, whatever, they ask me where are you from, they're always confused to, they want me to say Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, South Africa, you know, yeah. I'm like Bronx, and I'm like, no, 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 where are you really from? I'm like, you want the street? <laughs> like, what the fuck do you want the street? You want the building number? Because like, you know, here they have a more connection to the motherland, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but not. In America, you know, and you know the history of America, so. I mean, we're kings and queens, but um, without crowns or access or knowledge about crowns. No, never mind, I said it wrong, but you know what I mean, so. Uh-huh, okay, what what do you mean by without access to a crown? Not access to a crown, that's the wrong phrasing, but we're kings and queens um, without um, knowledge of our land, you know. Uh -huh. It's like waking up in a dream and you know your royalty, but you don't know to what, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> to which land. But you're still royalty, so. Yeah, interesting. I yeah. never thought of it like that, actually. And do you ask that question yourself? Like, do you ask other people where they are from? Yeah, it's such a, like, you know, traveling. You travel mm -hmm. a lot. And, like, it's such a, people ask you, like, such philosophical questions. Because, like, you ask somebody where they're from, what do they do, um, or where you're going. That's, like, past, present, and future, you know? But we just say that casually. Like, you'd be at a hostel, like, yo, where are you from? What do you do? And where are you going next? Mm -hmm. You're like, man, fuck. That's a lot to think about. <laughs> Who are you? It's like, you know, existential crisis, welcome here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do ask people that question, but, I mean, I have a habit of not asking what people questions. Just seeing what they want to reveal and what they want to reveal to me instead of me asking. So, kind of like a movie, you know? Mm -hmm. So... How like a movie? Well, so, like there's there's two ways you could write a scene in a movie where you give the information to the audience 
and then they wait for that information to happen. Like you put a bomb under the table and then you show them the bomb under the table and then they're waiting for that bomb to blow up. That's you giving a question, you wait for the answer. Then there's the, the bomb just goes off, explode. So there's two ways. And in America, we, we do the second one, you know. Mm-hmm. Shit just blows up, right? So <laughs> that's how we talk in America. Like, you know, people don't really ask you questions. They just want you to re- reveal yourself mm-hmm. and just talk, so. My my that's my take. I could be wrong, obviously. Mm. And um, where does your interest for people's origin come from? So why are you interested in the answer of this question? It comes from my mother. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Like uh, growing up, my mom would take us to like her friend's house, who was Indian, and we'll celebrate like the um, like during the holidays. I forgot what they celebrated, but we'll celebrate with them, and then we'll go to Jewish people's house and celebrate on Hanukkah. And then we'll celebrate Christmas at our own house. And then uh, I remember some African dude, uh, African family, Kwanzaa and stuff like that. So it was just like all these different holidays, festivities, and meeting these drastically different people that live within an hour train ride of you. You know what I mean? So that's my curiosity of where people are from. Because it's not as simple as like, yo, I'm from the street, this block. There's mm-hmm. history behind it. Um, each household has its own history. So. And do you think it says something about them? What do you mean? Like, is it part of the identity? Um, that's always a tough question for me because I'm a person that believes in the past but doesn't believe in the tangibility of the past because you can't feel it. But then that's what identity is. You're identified by your past, you know, not your future. You want to shape identity for the future. So for me, the past does matter and where you're from does matter, but then... Um, It's like, I could hear a song lyric in my head, but it's like, not where you're from, but it's where you're going. Mm -hmm. It's like a Kid Cudi lyric or something. (laughs) Where you're from is where you're going. Something like that. So, yeah. But yeah, it's important. But, yeah, identity is such a strange word. It's such a, like, such a paradoxical word. Just like, it's, it's one of those words that belong with category of, like, life, death understanding and always you know or forever whatever the fuck so why always and forever because that? when people say it we say it mm-hmm. right like yo I love you forever but like bro that's 80 years 85 <laughs> years if you live healthy enough out of millions of years you know that's not a it's not a forever you know it's not a forever thing and then I believe in what is it called inherent vice no it's not inherent vice Another word. Things naturally disintegrate, you know what I mean? So organically maybe? Yeah, I mean organically dis- like they disintegrate over time. So. Mm-hmm. so like identity for you forms itself organically. I feel like you could shape your own identity. Like I've shaped my own identity. Like mm-hmm. who, I, who I am as a person by um <laughs> uh as there's oh, fuck, there's this beautiful there's this French movie, right? Where um it's from like the sixties or seventies. I think it's Romner, I can't remember, Romner or somebody, it doesn't matter. And this guy's sitting at the table, and whenever he talks to somebody who makes a reference, he mm-hmm. cuts to the movie reference that the guy's pretending to be. So if the guy rubs his mouth a certain way, mm-hmm. uh, while he's eating dinner with his wife and his kids, uh, Romner, whoever the hell the director, cuts to like that movie from 1950-something. If the guy says a quote, he cuts to that movie. So I feel like you know you, you can brainwash yourself positively 
and shape your identity. I was just talking to um, my friend Sable about this. We talked for like two hours and a half. And like, remember I made that statement about like all the Toronto boys got us fucked up? Because mm. like, yeah, I listen to nothing but these Toronto dudes and like all their shit is like, like sad, bad relationships mm. that don't work out. I'm like, man, I'm listening to this and I'm manifesting it. So yeah, you can shape your own identity by um, what you're consuming, mm-hmm. like what you're eating, what you're listening to, what you're watching, who you're talking to and all that shit, so. So you're basically rice right now. I'm fucking rice. I'm <laughs> rice with fucking chicken. <laughs> rice and chicken. <laughs> you're cordon bleu. Cordon bleu. What a nice identity to have. Yeah, I'm, French, I'm French baby, a little uh, Mexican to me, you know. <laughs> and what are your expectations when you ask people where they're from? Um, you know what? Before I learned... There's, I had two expectations with that phrase. Before I learned anything about feminism and like interacting with women, um, no, it was just like check me so out. Did you say it like that? <laughs> no, before it was like, interacting with women. <laughs> no, like most guys don't like you. Yeah. Like you think about like, especially when you're early twenties, like women are so mysterious to us. So like when I was to ask a woman that we, it was more like exotifying women. Like yo, mm-hmm. where she's from? Yo, she's from like Nicaragua or some shit, or she's from like. Like, yeah, she's somewhere foreign. Like, she's from the Native American. She's Native American. Like, dog, that's not foreign, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or she Canadian or something, you know? So, to me, when I asked that question back then, mm-hmm. I only had the sole intention to, like, kind of show up. Like, yo, I'm with this, like, this girl from, like, motherfucking, some country you never heard of, like, Liechtenstein or some shit, you know? But now, when I ask somebody where they're from, I'm actually more interested. In, I'm actually interested in their um, belief systems. Like, yo, like, you know, where you from? Yo, mm. I'm from Pakistan. My family's Muslim, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, what kind of food you eat? So mm. it's a little different than the shallow. Um, and then it helps me understand my approach towards a person. Because if a person's, like, religious or they come from a strong religious background, I know how to move accordingly. Like, <laughs> what is that accordingly? Well, like, you know, um, I have an admiration for um, people who are religious, even though I'm conflicted with their mind, but, like, um, somebody who's more religious or they believe in like whatever God and all that stuff like um, I see I feel myself shift differently like my mind shifts I'm more actually I feel their spiritual element within them and within them and I try to have more of that conversation mm-hmm. within them like you know with the homies I could talk about basketball and girls and shit but like I remember meeting this dude on the street in Paris and he was like hella Christian like like missionary Christian and that's all we talked about was philosophy God and my love for sin you know, mm-hmm. but we, we didn't talk about relationships or the basketball game that just happened or favorite food spots. So my mind shifts towards that yeah. um, type of shit. So, like a sponge. Yeah. What are your experiences with uh, showing certain parts of your identity, like showing them off? Mm-hmm. And are they religious to where you come from? Yeah, religious related. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you like so you're like subliminally messaging me there. And uh, no, maybe I mean. Wait, answer the question again, because I'm kind of lost. Wait, no, no, no. What parts do I like to like to show off? Or yeah, show what off? I say, like, give me an example or a situation and how. It an affects, identity. Yeah, when when you show it off. Well, remember, remember, we were talking though yesterday when we were walking. And um, I've always, like, we're talking about, like, um, how I identify with certain men from the past, mm-hmm. like Marlon Brando's, James Dean's, Steve McQueen's. 
to me, like, I kind of brainwashed myself into that identity so much. So, um, I mean, I love, I'm like your classic. Soft boy. Better I ain't no soft boy. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Nah, <laughs> fuck that. Ain't no damn soft boy. No, no, fuck that. Nah, nah. I'm more like, love motorcycles and um, boots and shit. Simple mm-hmm. shit. So that's something I love to show off. I love, like, I don't give a fuck. I could be humble as hell. I love motorcycles and I love, like, uh, nice clothes. You know? Sounds mm-hmm. superficial. I don't give a shit. But that's one thing I identified as. Um, just vehicles. Mm-hmm. Kind of like fast cars type shit. You know, it's a, I don't know if it's a strictly American thing, but we love fast cars. We love motorcycles. And that's me. I love that shit. Like, I don't care. And guitars, maybe. And, and like guitars. the best cameras. Yeah, like the, the best quality. guitars. Quality shit. The like, quality I, that I love, you have to pay. Yeah, like I got it, but I got it from my heroes, definitely. Um, even like, you know, I love Frank Ocean too. And he's a car guy too. Like, all his, every album he has has a song about a car, a white Ferrari. Uh, Acura Integra music Um, his Nostalgia Ultra has a BMW on the front you know Um, so yeah cars is like ingrained in my identity or just vehicles because I'm always on the move always going always some I don't know you you don't drive do you I don't have a driver's license (laughs) well me either but (laughs) this is something this is something beautiful about um Something beautiful about fucking just driving. I was talking to Sable about that too on the phone. My homegirl. I was like, I miss the romance of just picking a girl up in my car. Mm-hmm. Let, I'll let her drive. Because I have like a nice sport car. I'll let her drive. Let her play her first favorite music. And we'll drive. Mm-hmm. Go for a long ride. Like two, three hours. Just listening to her music. Park somewhere. Chill. Talk. I have so many memories in cars. So, so it's like freedom and speed. Yeah. Kind of. I drive slow actually. I don't drive. <laughs> I can hit the gas though, but I drive slow. I take it <laughs> I chill. So nice. That's my answer. And can you give me an example for an experience? No, well, no, like a situation where you were hiding certain parts of your identity. Yes. Um, I I love these people to death, but I lived with um, a Jewish family for a while and. I just felt like I couldn't be my, like, true, authentic black self. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, like... Uh, and I don't even know what the hell that means, but I just felt like... It felt like a library when I lived with them. It was always quiet, even in the daytime. I couldn't listen to my music too loud. I didn't want to speak too loud. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to have certain conversations in front of them because they would have viewed me differently, which is funny because I'm reading Henry Miller's book, and um, he's living in, like, a boarding house with his, with his, no, like this whatever, like this hostel, not hostel, you know what I mean, like this old lady rented him a room mm-hmm. for him and his girlfriend, and he, she's under an impression that he's like this Christian, do-all guy, writer, and he always plays that role in front of her, but he's really like a fucking drunk who gets out and just cheats on his wife and has a good time and gambles and goes to clubs, but whenever the woman comes around, he's like at his typewriter, smiling, <laughs> typing away at his novel and shit, so I felt like Henry Miller. Like, I had to put on this facade because, like, they just wouldn't understand black America. Because it's, like it's, like, a nice neighborhood. Like, there's no sidewalks. In America, there's no sidewalks in a neighborhood. That's how you know it's nice because people don't walk. What? Yeah, there's no sidewalks in this neighborhood. That's that makes how, so much sense. But no I walk, never yeah. thought about it. Yeah. Like, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> 
I wouldn't survive there. And then nobody drives around there, so you walk your dog in the middle of the street, and then everybody, the neighbors know you. So like, if you're walking through there, everybody's looking at you. Oh. I actually had the police call on me before because I was walking through the neighborhood. Shit. I was like, dog, I live around the corner. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, that's a situation where I felt like I couldn't be myself, and that's a large part. Like, even when I'm in Manhattan, there's a funny thing I love in Manhattan, right? Me as a black dude, I'm walking, I see another black dude. We give each other the the head nod, like, yo. It's, I see you out here surviving, mm. doing well, and it's good. Because, like, it's like a sea of, like, I'm in, like, a sea of, like, w- white folks that are doing well. Mm. You know, it's Manhattan. It's one of the most expensive places in the world. So, um, I just never feel at home there, but I don't want to. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really don't want to go to New York. <laughs> the more I learn about it, the Brooklyn, less I'm... Brooklyn. Brooklyn's better than like, No, Brooklyn is still expensive as fuck, and people are working and living so fast, and nah. <laughs> Going to summertime is different. Everybody's more happier. That's like Berlin. Berlin in summer is amazing, and yeah. now it's, yeah, you feel it. Teardrop people are getting side, depressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um... And what is like a um, advantage of your race, gender, or sexual orientation that you feel you have? <laughs> um. So, fuck. How do I answer that question? You uh, can, yeah. No, no. I I actually got so um my uh, shout out to um Michael Bowen. He's one of those like hip white dudes. Like he just gets it. Like he, this dude took the time out of his. He's a he's my professor at my university, mm-hmm. um, in New York, and uh, he took the time out of his day every single day after class to make a whole presentation in the library about women filmmakers, like black women filmmakers doing mm-hmm. women during Black History Month. He taught um, women in cinema, sexuality in cinema, and then I helped him with the black. Um, black uh cinema course mm-hmm. so we were talking one day and he was like you know what um i don't know what the hell the conversation started but this is answering your question he's like it's better to be on the margin of um, what you're doing um than in the nucleus because when you're in the nucleus there's no room to move because the nucleus is so tight and you're not allowed to do anything new you can't experiment you have to yeah. do what they want he's like when you're in the margins you can do what the hell you want and he's like if you make something good people are like wow that's good mm-hmm. if you make something bad people are like, ah, that's bad <laughs> and then you always still have room to experiment and you can move towards the nucleus but he's like never go into the nucleus because you'll get lost he's like filmmakers like spike lee and he was naming like other black filmmakers um oscar michelle and then um uh, julie dash they they're on the nucleus because they're black women so they can make uh political pieces if steven spielberg can never make a political piece if he made a film about politics outright politics mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if Christopher Nolan didn't make a Batman, but he made a film about um, anti-Semitism in America, that would not be a hot film for him. He doesn't have that leeway of like being creatively free. So yeah, they're in the middle, they're in the center of attention, but they're not free. Mm. The people in um, the, us on the new, like you and I on the edge, we have more freedom. Actually, I wonder, I wondered about this because like, I think you could do all the. Like, I mean, you have the skills and the abilities, Mm -hmm. the contacts and everything you need to do the stuff that's in the middle, the mainstream stuff. Exactly, yeah. And I never see you doing anything that doesn't, like, represent your style. (laughs) 
And I was wondering, like, why? Because you could make so much more money. Mm-hmm. And I know that you like money. So I was like... <laughs> yeah, I'm a capitalist. Yeah, no, but like, if I, I thought that if I were you, I would do it. Mm-hmm. But now I think I get it because there you really have no room. Yeah. Yeah. And think about room. You need room to grow. Right? Yeah. Like you... The outside, think about the outsider circle there on the outside. There's mm-hmm. sunlight there. If you're in the middle, and then what was the story? This guy, this is like whatever dumb metaphor, but this guy, he bought rubber, he, he planted rubber trees in like Dominican Republic mm-hmm. or Cuba or Puerto Rico, something like that, and he got overzealous. He was just planting them so super close. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The trees didn't grow properly because they were too close. You know, so yeah, but um. I'm gonna go do it one day. I'll go make that money one day. So. <laughs> I don't know. I think by the time that you actually want to, you won't want yeah, to you're anymore. Right. You're probably right. it's like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gender, you're a male. So, what mm. are the advantages of being a black male? <laughs> the advantages of that's such a paradox right there. <laughs> yeah. the advantage of being a black male. <laughs> Is there a fucking answer to that? <laughs> Wait, I'm actually thinking about this. Let me think about this. You might have to cut this, and you might have to cut the silence off this interview. I gotta think about this. <laughs> yeah. Advantage of being a black. You know what? Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just fucking perspective. Like, like me and John Doe can witness the exact same thing, but John Doe's interest and his experience from the past is gonna shape his view of what he's seeing and then I'm going to see the exact same thing totally different mm. um, you know what I mean yes like the finer things the details so yeah. me as a black man I um, I mean I was born into war if you think about it like we're fighting I was writing about this earlier we're just constantly fighting we're always fighting we're always fighting like we come out the womb fighting we're fighting for our lives the doctors want to kill you in America because um a lot of babies die at birth and a lot of black women die at childbirth too. Mm. So you gotta think about I'm coming into a world fighting already from mm. some guy who doesn't wanna even take care of me. So like I'm always fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. So that's the advantage of being a black man in America. It's like we're warriors, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know? Like we're warriors. We always fighting. We're fighting literally for our lunch money. We're fighting for a seat on the bus. We're fighting for a position at a regular paying job. Mm. You know, we're just fighting. We're fighting each other. We're fighting someone else's war. So that's the perspective. It's always being within conflict and turmoil and stuff like that. Um, shows you... I don't know. It shows you something. I can't even think about it right now. But that's the... It's fucking hard. That's such a paradoxical question right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like what you said, perspective, because you can switch... Like, you can go to a black community Mm -hmm. in Harlem and be there and Mm -hmm. be, like, your black self. Yeah. And then you go to Paris and then you're, like, your artist self. W.E. Du Bois talks about that. He's, like, black people in America. We live with a, called a dual conscience. Yes. Mm, I read that text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) So, exactly. You hit it right in the head. So, yeah, that's, you're right. I do have a dual conscience. I can go mingle with the, like, end crowd in Switzerland or whoever the hell. Mm -hmm. And I can go, like, hang out on the block. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hang on the streets and shit and be good. So, that's the advantage. I mean, it's also at the same time a disadvantage because you struggle so much with your own identity mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. But. I stopped, I actually stopped thinking about, like, my identity. Um, <laughs> uh, 
No, seriously, like yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I change, I change yeah. so much, like as a person, like mm-hmm. I just don't even um, <clears throat> give it too much thought. I feel like people are trapped in their vision of their identity, mm-hmm. so they have this person that they want to be, and they're working for it, mm-hmm. and like they're not getting there, and then they just get depressed. Yeah. So I gave up identifying as this and this and this all the time mm-hmm. i just like see the situation and mm-hmm. i know who i am in that situation that's enough and you're like but water you just become water right yeah like bruce lee says you're water you go into a vase a cup yeah. you spill on the floor fuck it you know you're mm-hmm. water but that's like a big advantage of my identity kind of yeah. <laughs> of mm-hmm. all the things that mm-hmm. i put together because otherwise i wouldn't have experienced so much and i couldn't I wouldn't see all the possibilities of mm-hmm. what I could be. Yeah. Yeah, I would be trapped in a different way. Mm. But it's crazy because, like, <clears throat> there's so much that shapes your identity. Like, in writing, when I break down my writing, it's like man versus man, fellow man, man versus self, man versus nature, man versus society, man versus God. So, like, those are all the things that shape you mm-hmm. um, as a person. And, like, sometimes I think I'm unique, but then I realize that no because so much has so so much has uh funneled me towards a certain direction mm-hmm. until a certain age if you think about it you know like if you're born in a specific neighborhood um you go to a certain school it's collective conscience so mm-hmm. yeah we i can say i don't have an identity or i don't identify certain things or blah 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 but mm, there's still a collective conscience that controls me because I went to certain schools, I went to mm-hmm. certain systems, so it sucks. Like, you're forced into a system as a kid. Like, you're forced. Like, there's no way around it. Yeah, so, that's cool. It's like yeah. inevitable, so. School, school Funny sucks. you say uh, that you thought you were unique, but then, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sentence. That's like so flat and so true. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> it's just though. Like, the basic. It's true, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty, though, is like when you you meet people that you identify with um because th- th- that's the the uniqueness is you being yourself but the not uniqueness is that like i met you and we identify with a lot of things mm-hmm. we have great conversations um same thing with yolanda same thing with like people i've met in the past or i've met recently same thing with like um friends i chat with so there's something we're all the same essentially to a certain extent mm-hmm. Because we all have different backgrounds, but we're still the same, you know, same cares, same ideas. Um, like there's something I was writing. I was actually, I still, I, I wrote, I wrote about this, but I haven't completed the thought. I was wondering, do people from the same backgrounds or the same area, the same neighborhoods, do they have the exact same dreams, like sleeping dreams? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like your environment shaped, you're shaped from the same environment. So if you and I grew up in the same town, like. If we wrote down 20 dreams we had, will we find a common thread between our dreams? I think, to some extent, yes. Because, for example, I always had this, like, nightmare of a children's series I watched when I was a child. And a friend of mine didn't have the same, but she had the same characters in there. But for her, it was a nightmare. So something probably triggered me. Mm -hmm. But to her, it was like a sweet dream that she had repeatedly and mm. me too so we kind of had the same dream mm. connected to different feelings you and that's what, I mean, what makes right? the uniqueness then and you could show me that cartoon i probably can never remember maybe you could but i can never remember that those characters mm-hmm. so um
Why show, I'm gonna show it to you. But I just shows how like you know unique, but like how not unique we are. But yeah, I wonder that too. Because um, yeah, we're shaped by so much. It's kind of scary if you think about how much we're shaped mm-hmm. by. I don't know how to wrap this up. Like, you could just walk away awkwardly. Yeah, I shake could, hands but also we, we live together, so it's That's like true. weird. <laughs> I cannot just walk away. <laughs> yeah, well, this was a nice conversation. Flips <laughs> the table. Uh, thank you for speaking so openly. Thanks for always being a uh, good listener and host. Yeah, socialize that way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Alright, let's go get drunk.